Welcome to Pastors Are People Too, Episode 3, where we will continue the journey discussing how pastors are human. Sometimes, Pastor Gaddis says, I wish people would read the Bible and understand that God uses imperfect people. As you listen to today's podcast, it is our prayer that you will open your heart and your minds to hear what the Bible says about pastors and how we, as members of the congregation, should consistently, continuously, and constantly be in prayer for our pastors who are human just like us. And here's what that member says. What right has he got to stand up there and preach to us about how we ought to live when he's shown again and again that he doesn't live like that himself? The blogger writes, many believers feel that same way when they find out that their pastor isn't godly after all. He continues to write that when that happens, the, the efforts that the pastor and the effects that the pastor once had on their conscience is gone. In their hearts, the blogger says, they say that the preacher say to the preacher, physician, go and heal yourself first, and then perhaps we'll come and listen to you, perhaps. Did that introduction just peak? your appetite for more? Well, if it did, don't turn us off now. Lean in and listen closely to episode three of Pastors Are People Too with your host, Taryn V. Gaddis, pastor, author, teacher. Hello and welcome to Pastors Are People Too. I'm your host, pastor, teacher, Arthur Taryn Gaddis. In today's episode, we're going to continue our talk on pastors are human. It is this pastor's heart that people who sit in the pews will realize the hardship of pastoral ministry and also the stewardship of the humanity of, uh, of our pastors and then take the steps to pray for them and honor them, love them, appreciate them, cover them, and partner with them. Pastors, as I've certainly said over and over again, are gifts of our ascended Lord to his church. And so they are a great blessing to our churches and should be greatly loved and highly esteemed because of their work and their call on their lives. They are under shepherds, make no mistakes, they are under shepherds who serve the chief shepherd. And in preparation for this uh, this episode, I came across a a blog who a blogger who shares what a church member said and his response to what the church member said to him. The outraged church member who said said these words as he was talking to uh, talking about a pastor who whose moral life had become a scandal to say the least, he writes. And here's what that member says. What right has he got to stand up 
there and preach to us about how we ought to live when he's shown again and again that he doesn't live like that himself. The blogger writes, many believers feel that same way when they find out that their pastor isn't godly after all. He continues to write that when that happens, the, the efforts that the pastor and the effects that the pastor once had on their conscience is gone. In their hearts, the blogger says, they say that the preacher say to the preacher, physician, go and heal yourself first, and then perhaps we'll come and listen to you, perhaps. The blogger writes, take it as a general rule, the day that you lose your godliness in is the day that you lose your power in pastoral preaching. The blogger continues by saying, take it as a general rule. The day that you lose your godliness in the day is the day that you lose your power in pastoral preaching. The two, he writes, are intimately connected. You lose one, you lose the other. And there is no other way he ends. There's no other way around it. The Bible makes it clear. I, I want to I share this. The Bible makes it clear that the greatest leaders of God's people were godly men and women, but they were also men and women with all the frailties of other, other human beings. Th these are the people that God uses. Sometimes I wish that people would actually read their Bibles that we think we have to be perfect for God to use us. But then, throughout scripture, God's word tells us that we don't have to be perfect in order for him to use us. Noah got drunk and partied naked after God delivered him and his family from death. Moses came into ministry after he murdered someone. Jacob raised perhaps the most dysfunctional family imaginable. Judah slept with his daughter-in-law only because he mistook her for a prostitute. David was a fascinating and fantastic king, but he saw Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived in the Old Testament times, but really struggled with women and sex. Elijah was uh, one of the most powerful uh, men, one of the most powerful displays of God's power in history. And then promptly he fell into self-pity and depression. Elijah was one of the most powerful uh, Elijah saw one of the most powerful displays of God's power in history and then promptly fell into a self-pity and depression party. Jonah ran from God again and again and again. Peter denied Jesus. Thomas doubted. Even though they saw Jesus firsthand, he said, I won't believe until I see it for myself. Paul was a little insecure if you read Second, Second Corinthians, the early church is described in the book of Corinthians is 
as you study it, as one of the most dysfunctional churches that Paul started. The early churches stopped even believing in the resurrection. And so I thought it would be good to remind us, all of us, that pastors are human and that you don't have to be perfect for God to use you. We should recognize that pastors have frailties and they deal with the vulnerabilities similar to those who sit in the pew. That even though they are positioned in the pulpit, they have the same frailties and vulnerabilities as those who sit in the pew. Pastors should not try to fulfill the unrealistic expectation that some people put on them because they are really unreal expectations in which those who try to hold the personality in the pulpit to these expectations, many of them cannot hold to them themselves. Pastoral ministry, like other professions and callings, is a very demanding and tiring work. And pastors fulfill many different roles from, from day to day. He doesn't have just one set of rules or one cookie-cutter role that he does every single day. A pastoral role changes every single day. Uh, Richard W. D. Hands um, writes about a man sent from God. And he writes, a good pastor must have the strength of an ox, the tenacity of a bulldog, the boldness of a lion, the wisdom of an owl, the harmlessness of a dove, the industry of a beaver, the gentleness of a lamb, the vision of an eagle, the skin of a rhinoceros, the perspective of a giraffe, the disposition of an angel, the endurance of a camel, the bounce of a kangaroo, the stomach of a horse, the loyalty of an apostle, the faithfulness of a prophet, the tenderness of a shepherd, and the fervency of an evangelist, and the devotion of a mother. And guess what? Even then, that pastor would not please everybody. Can I tell you why? Your pastor will never, ever, ever please everybody. Are you ready for it? Here's the reason why your pastor will never ever please everybody. Because your pastor lives in the same fallen world that you and I do. Yes, he must meet the moral qualifications of a shepherd that's found in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. That says, so I exalt the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsions, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those who uh, who you have charge over, but being examples to the flock. And when the sh chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, 
but he gives grace to the humble. There are going to be times that your pastor will cry like Paul did while he's trying to live up to the moral qualifications in Peter. There's going to be times, however, that he uh, she cries like Paul in Romans 7 and 24. But Paul writes, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me, who will rescue me from this body of death? When your pastor experiences such emotions, what you and I must do is to pray for our pastors. But not only pray for them, but to love them as well. Pastors, like other Christians, may fail, uh, though they may fail in serious sin. Pastors like other Christians may fail. We tend to judge pastors harshly, more harshly than others. Rather than seeing pastors as human beings who can be ensnared by temptation and trials and tests, just like all of us, and even worse, commit some of the darkest sin. Knowing how to restore a pastor who sin to faith and active service is the key to the success of a congregation. It is important for us to be able to pastor pastors who have fallen into serious sin and their and their wives, not only the pastor, but their wives, their spouses, and their children. I've always been saddened, and prayerfully you have as well, when pastors who God has called to be great ministers of the gospel and who have grievously failed and have disappointed and disappointed their congregation, they seemingly disappear from the life of the church and live in some spiritual shadow for the rest of their lives. I don't believe that that's God's will for any pastor. Sometimes this has been because they have not been able to cope with the failure and so they withdraw from the fellowship of the local church themselves. But sometimes it's been because church leaders and, and people who sit in the pew congregations have been so critical of them and, and have not helped them and restored them. Many pastors who have failed have been wounded in action. We really don't really understand that what they have gone through. They, we really don't understand what has happened in private conversation. We really don't understand what letters have been written, what text messages have been sent, what emails have been sent, or what rumors have been, have, have been uh, circulating. But if we look at the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us an example. The resurrected Lord uh, restored, resurrect, restored Peter on the shore of Galilee. And it shows us how to supremely care for falling leaders. Soon, my new book uh, entitled Praying, uh, Playing Hurt, uh, Preaching Hope While Going Through Hell will be released where 
I share a, of a season, an incredible season of pain and and problems and predicament. But 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 now let me quickly say, because I don't want to ever be accused of not giving you the full story. Let me quickly say that throughout that season of my life, I was without where well, I wasn't without fault. However, many of my mistakes and missteps and mix-ups was because I was green, I was immature, I was, um, I believed in partly a fairy tale. I wasn't prepared for the enemy's attack, or better yet, I was not prepared for the enemy that was going to be behind the attack of the sheep. Pastors will sin. That's a fact. Honestly, there'll be those pastors who show no evidence of a broken or contrite heart. And as people of God, we must continue to pray and exalt them. But prayerfully, when the pastor who is called of God's sin, there will be godly sorrow there. And the people of God must seek to lovingly restore that pastor who had fallen to healthy Christian living and to being a valuable member of a local church. I like what John uh, Piper writes. John Piper writes as he looks at Micah 7 and uh, verses 8 through 9 as he uh, shares about what the Lord shares about restoring Christian workers who have fallen into sexual sin. Here's uh, what Micah 7, 8, and 9 says. Re Rejoice not over me. Another translation says, do not gloat over me. O my enemies, when I fall, though I have fallen, another translation says, I shall rise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light for me. And I will bear the indignation of the Lord. In another translation, I'll bear the, the wrath of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my, my cause and executes judgment for me, he will bring me out to the light and I shall look upon his, uh, I shall look upon his, uh, righteousness ah, there we go and he will bring me out to the light and I shall look upon or see his righteousness I love the message translation it says don't 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 enemy uh, crow over me I'm down but I'm not out I'm sitting in the dark right now but God is my light I can take God's punishment and his rage I deserve it I sinned, but it's not forever. He's on my side and is going to get me out of this. He'll turn on the light and show me his ways and I'll see the whole picture and how right he is. John Piper writes this based upon my, uh, Micah 7. He says, he urges Christian workers who have fallen in to sin to recognize their guilt and they get and recognize that their guilt is real but also recognize that God's grace is even greater 
he writes that about the gusty uh, the the gutsy guilt he's concerned about Christian workers who have fallen in the sin but he's also concerned about the church that fully restores them the care and support of pastors a pastor's family the pastor the pastor's spouse their their children is is vital I, I see so many pastors and their spouses and their and their families be destroyed because of sin and it's important for us to respect and protect our pastoral leaders and understand that they have a personal privacy that is owed to them I believe Galatians 6 verses 1 through 6 teaches us to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ here's what it reads Galatians 6 verses 1 through 6 brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness keep watch over yourself lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ for if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each will have to bear their own load let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches so let us with all of our hearts thank the ascending Lord for the pastors and the teachers that he has given to the church let us love them encourage them and pray for them that they, because they keep watch over our souls and we want their work to be a joy to them so that they and we may together know the Lord's riches and blessings thank you for listening to episode 3 of pastors are people too where today our host informed us that pastors do indeed sin. But instead of focusing on the sin, let us instead focus on the scripture that says that when anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you have not already, we would love for you to subscribe and follow the Pastors Are People Too podcast and leave us a review. We would like to know your thoughts. Now, let's return to our host, Pastor, Author, Teacher, Taryn V. Gaddis, as he leaves us some closing remarks, and of course, prayer. Let me sound a warning. If we allow Satan to take down our shepherds of God's flock, the odds are much higher that God's people will scatter. 
that they'll become bitter and disenfranchised and disappointed. They will question everything they've ever been taught by that pastor. Satan's targets pastors because the damage is exponential if they fail. So we must ask God for, for, for uh, protection over our pastors from Satan. We must ask the Holy Spirit to fill our pastors and keep our pastors from the schemes of Satan. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings about death. Pastors and leaders don't fall because of one day. They don't just fall out of the blue one day. They, they don't decide to dive headlong in the sin. No, I believe that it happens slowly over time in small increments as pastors believe the lie presented to them by their flesh. So we must pray for our pastors that they would be on guard against the lies of, of uh, the lies of sin. Pray that our pastors would would have the proper fear of God. And so today, we ought to pray for our pastors. Will you pray with me today, Father? We pray for the fruit of the Spirit in the pastor's life. We pray that the love and joy and peace and patience will guide, that kindness and goodness will be companions, and that faithfulness will be the model, and that gentleness and self-control will be evident in all that they do and say. Help our pastors to see each person today through your eyes, and help them to see that you are the chief shepherd. Help our pastors to be sober-minded, to be watchful, because the adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking to devour. So Father, we ask now, in the mighty name of Jesus, that you'll protect our pastors from the deceit of sin, and that we are that we are prone to as well. Guard our pastors from sin. Keep our pastors conscious, tender, and fresh. Keep our pastors close to you and close to your word. Father, please protect our pastors and leaders from the attack of Satan. And give our pastors the strength to endure the temptation and stand firm against the accusations of Satan. Help them to stand firm in your service, always fighting for the faith and for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.